thank you for inviting me here. Very kind of you. So, anybody have any questions? You have to play your part here. Yes? Well, that's, yeah, that's why I called on you. Well, um, in Lila, then, um, there's a superficial kind of a structure that um, surrounds that which is essentially constituted of. And that which it is essentially constituted of, is that should be our interest, as much as we can imbibe that, as much as that there is ingress of that into the heart, then we have a capacity to participate therein. And with regard to that, that will take a shape. Sura Sattva Visayasatma Prema Suryamsu Samyabhak. This is the beginning of that, so to speak. It has a more formal beginning in, in, in the initial shraddha of faith that that um, enables us to tread the path. A person is their faith. Shraddhaayam Purusha. So, with regard to spiritual paths that we may tread, then bhakti is one of them, and, and the requirement is faith, as opposed to, for example, a jnanmarg, the qualification is, is a pure heart. And so, it's very generous in that respect, and shraddha, that is the formal beginning, coming to us from a person who has that faith. But in another sense, then, when sadhana bhakti matures into bhava bhakti, then there is a tangible ingress of the essence, essential uh, substance, that the leela is, um, that fuels the leela. So, Sri Goswami has described it as a, that uh, ingress, sudha-sattva vishesatma, prema suryamsu, Prem Suryamsu. Surya means sun. Amsa means like a ray, ray of the sun. So this, the ray of the sun of Prem, this is the way in which he has described bhava. So from sadhana bhakti to bhava bhakti. When we retain bhava bhakti, the theological person, Krishna, becomes a real person. Not that he's not already, but the perception of it, the experience of it of him as such. From a symbolic presence, for example, in Archan, the ritualistic language in the realm of ritual itself, if you will, is transcended. Sometimes, therefore, we see devotees do bhava-seva with regard to Archan, and it's very different than how you're taught to do Archan. 
So, at any rate, from sadhana bhakti to bhava bhakti, and bhava bhakti matures, and um, that ray of the sun of prem is churned, and the full light of the sun shines on our heart, and we can participate fully in the leela without coming out. In bhava, you may enter and go in and come out. But in prem, once having, having gone there completely, then there's no return. So that bhava is fueling the whole lila, and it takes different shapes in Sakyarasa, in, in Shingarasa, in Vatsalyarasa, and, and so forth. And so these shapes may be male or they may be female. And that is part of the, the shape, if you will, the, the, is part of the kind of the, the structure that which gives some form to the expression of the bhava. The varnashram, for example, is fully in, in place, but it's only superficially in place. If we were to import, for example, some aspect of the varnashram here in the name of invoking that realm, the realm of Leela, it could be conducive or it might be off-putting, so to speak. And, and Like, for example, in Krishna Leela, you asked about Gaur Leela, but in Krishna Leela, and Gaur Leela as well, the women stand in the back. <laughs> so, if we import that here in all respects, and the women stand in the back, some women might not come. And given modern sensibilities, then they have their, their reasoning, and, it's, and good reasoning as well. We should create an environment that invites the essence of the some feeling for Vaishnavism and so forth. Not mere, merely the superficial, if you will, structure that gives shapes to its expression. So we want to create an environment that encourages uh, all souls to participate in the generosity of bhakti. And we can't just, as I say, incorporate the structure and put everything in place and there we've created Krishna Leela here on earth without any bhava. No. And again, some things may have their place and uh, we can incorporate from there and they will be helpful to remind us and uh, make us mindful. And so, but if we find in some instance they're not given a, a social, for example, or psychological sensibility of whatever time we may live in, then they're um, not an absolute that must be in place in order for the essence of the whole experience to descend and enable us thereby to actually participate in the whole affair. So, in that sense, then, whether one takes the sh- one's bhava takes the shape of a male or a female in the leela is not much uh, difference or significance. This bhava, Krishna prem nitya siddha sadhya shravanadi suddha chitte You cannot make it. Sadhya kabunai. It's not a product of time. And uh, it's nitya siddha Krishna prem. So it's eternally existing in the associates of, of the Lord. And it descends of its own will. It, our, if you will, relationship with Krishna has its eternal existence without beginning in the mind of of God and then it will play itself out as if it's our own choice and so whatever 
however that manifests through Guru and Parampara to us, then you take that route very naturally and happily, not in a forced or artificial way. And then our possibility of participating in a meaningful feeling way like everybody else will express itself in one shape or another. Of course, you may be thinking, well, the, the gopis in the Gaur-lila and the Krishna-lila, they have a more intimacy with Krishna. And that's true, there is greater intimacy. But while Krishna's Kaviraj, for example, emphasizes that, he may have coined the term, the phrase. It is technically called Sringarasa. He said, I call it Madhurja. It's very sweet. The whole of Lila of the Braj is sweet, but this is a s- sweet within that. Krishna is most taken by that. He's most made sweet by that. So, at the same time, in the context of making that point, he steps back for a moment and he says, but all sentiments are perfect, and each devotee has his own sentiment, and that, that one is the best. So it's a, there's some objective truth to the height of Gopi Bhav, that, uh, for example, Mahaprabhu came to taste, but there's a subjective reality also there, and that rules for each and every devotee. And so, we should be concerned about getting that, getting bhava, a good company, good association. So you may be thinking, well, while the gopis have, seem to have the most access, intimate intimacy with with uh, Sri Krishna and Krishna Lila, what happens to them in in the Gaur-lila, where are they then? How will they participate there? Will they go into the kirtan at the house of Srivas? Will they be allowed in? Will they have to stand at the door? <laughs> One answer is this, that those gopis in Krishna-lila, they appear in the Gaur-lila also, but they appear as Brahman boys, Shirup, Sanatan, Goswami, they are all young girls. But in Gorlila, then they are appearing as young young Brahman boys. It's interesting because as village girls they don't really have much of an education in Krishna Lila. But we see that the Lila, the foundation, the ground of the Lila, is very different than the ground here that we stand on, which is in, insubstantial, we're grounded, if you will, in ignorance. So there's no real sure footing that we can find for ourselves. We step down here and the floor goes up over here. <laughs> we step down there and it comes up over here. We're always looking, seeking for some firm ground to stand and I'll move here, I'll change my job, I'll get a relationship and I'll have firm ground to stand on. But the floor is moving always. It's actually like musical chairs, and if you don't get in one soon enough, then there won't be any chairs at some point. And you have to leave the arena altogether, go to the back of the line and start again. So there the ground is firm, and the joy that is central to the is arising out of knowledge, not the, the happiness that arises out of ignorance in material existence. And the Goswamis are a good way to illustrate this because as I say they're only village girls and in Vrindavan there's not much need for for knowledge 
if people come there with knowledge, then they they can't focus and pay attention to Nard's discourses if he should come to Vrindavan. They're too much distracted by their ordinary life, if you will, as it appears. They go to church on Sunday. They're good people. They worship Narayan in the home of Nanda Baba as the Shalagram Vishnu of uh, Narasimha. They do their dutiful religious performances and so forth, but their minds are always somewhere else. They're doing a mindless kind of Vaidhi Bhakti. You see, Vaidhi Bhakti is also there. <laughs> uh, like Varnashram is also there. It's a superficial. It gives some structure to the whole affair of expressing the Bhava. So, so there's not much place for knowledge, not much interest in knowledge. Krishna at different times tried to he demonstrated this for our benefit in Bhagavat. He sent Uddhava to Vrindavan to give a message to the gopis. And Uddhava, of course, is a tattvavit, so he's the advisor of Devakinandan Krishna in Dwaraka. Advice means he's always quoting some, some scripture. You like this? On this occasion, I think this would be the way to proceed. After all, Krishna's a prince there. And Uddhava is his Brahman advisor. So he sent him to Vrindavan to bring a message to the gopis. And of course, he was quite uh, confused when he got there. He, he found the inhabitants were crying, gopis in particular. When people cry because of the loss of a loved one, you have to give them philosophy. To, well, I remember I was a young boy in sixth grade and I had a crush on a girl. We used to ride the bus and they'd make a heart on the foggy window, you know. <laughs> so-and-so loves so-and-so. And then you'd be embarrassed. And so forth. It was in sixth grade, my first experience with that. And then, uh, just answer. And then, um, as fate would have it, she went another way. <laughs> as the sixth grade summer came on. <laughs> So I was heartbroken and it was my first experience. So my mother sat me down and she gave me some philosophy. At that time I learned, yes, <laughs> this is philosophy. This is how we should proceed. <laughs> some <laughs> be sensible and nothing endures in this, in this world and so forth. I got my first philosophical class and it stuck with me, as you can tell. <laughs> so... <laughs> He counseled them, he thought, but, but how, what do you tell, you know, they're crying because of separation from Krishna and then you're supposed to be attached to Krishna. So you can't tell them, well, don't be attached to Krishna, it's all right. There'll be somebody else or something like that. He, so he didn't really, he was confused. The, the point of his going there, of course, as I say, it was to teach us the position of knowledge mixed with bhakti or Aishvarya Gyan, in relation to bhakti, in comparison to Madhurya Gyan, knowledge of the sweetness of Bhagavan, that is prevalent and characterizes the Brajlila. So he did try to counsel them, he did try to give them some philosophy, but they had no, no ear for that whatsoever. When Krishna also tried to offer them some reasoning and philosophy at Kurukshetra as to why he hadn't come around, he said, well, I understand that you're, how you feel and so forth. What can be done? Providence 
brings people together and separates people. And, you know, what can we do about that? They said, that's fine, but you are Providence, so, you know, we're not letting you off the hook like so easily. We find that you're, you're faulty in this, this, this regard. And he said, oh, if you want to think of me like that, then as God, then, uh, and he began to give them philosophy and so forth. And of course, they ultimately said, well, who's to say, we don't want to know you as God. That's not our, our interest. We want you to be part of our family. We want to move into the house of, of Nanda Maharaj, this kind of thinking they had. So, point being what? That they had no ear for Gyan. Gyan Shunya Bhakti. Mahaprabhu was uh, described that um, ideal. Bhakti that is not encumbered by, by Gyan, by any kind of calculation that I shall do it because, for a reason, for the reason that it's the right thing to do, because the reason the scriptures say so. Even we find in, in the Braj we have Sambandhanuga and Kamanuga Bhakti. Sambandhanuga means that um, their love of the, in Vatsalya Bhakti and Dasya Bhakti and Sakya Bhakti is all, there's justification for it. Because there's a sambanda, there's a relationship that is acceptable. It's expected that the mother will love her son. If she didn't, there would be a problem. Hmm? It's expected that friends will love one another. It's expected that the, the, the uh, servant will love the master. But it's not expected that young girls will love a young, a young boy, especially if they're betrothed to somebody else. That's not expected, it's not allowed. It's not permitted. Therefore, it's called Kamanuga. Their love follows the way of Kama, not of Sambandha. There's no reason for it. It is a Hayatuki in the fullest sense. A Hayatuki, Apratyata. And Yahatma, Samprasidati. His Atma is fully satisfied, taken by this. A Hayatuki, there's no reason for it. There's no, even in the highest sense, I'm speaking, no calculation. If there was any calculation, they would have never gone in the night to meet him when they heard his flute. There were a thousand and eight reasons not to go. Hmm? But they didn't hear any of that. So they're, they seem to be unwise and uh, have no ear for knowledge uh, in terms of spiritual knowledge, even the wisdom of being dharmic and, and so on and so forth. No ear for that. But point is, when these young ladies come here, now here there's a need for knowledge. Here the ground, as I said, is, is not firm. It's like quicksand. The more you move, that is the karmic realm, the more you go down. The movement, the karma is like the borrowing of money from the bank and you owe more than you borrowed, with interest compounded and so forth. So the more we move, the more we, we sink in debt, we go from zero into negative numbers. Gyan may be zero, but karma is negative numbers. And bhakti is then 108 positive numbers. So when they come here, as the Gosamis, we find what? They have nana shastra vichara naikanipuno saddharma samstapako lokano mitakarano tribhuvane manyo sharanyakaro. Their knowledge of the of Shastra was comprehensive. It's mind-boggling to read. 
where they cited from, so many places, in such an essential way. I mean, it's one thing to have a head full of knowledge of a book, but to sort out the very essence of that. It's uncanny what they would have done. We call they are Shastra Gurus, the Goswamis. They've written for us the Bhakti Shastras. They've taken from Shastras that speak about Bhakti directly, indirectly, and of course Bhagavatam directly, the last contribution of Vyas. And they've shown them, <laughs> you see, they've taken books that speak indirectly about Bhakti and drawn it out and shown how that's the most important statement in the book. It should revolve around this aspect, this teaching, Dharma Shastra and, and uh, Upanishads, Gyanmarg, and so forth. And with Bhagavatam, Bhagavatam is directly about Bhakti, no? Vyas was despondent. Nard chastised him, you have not spoken directly about Bhakti. So, you've done a disservice to the people. So, go, samadhi nanusmarata vicheshtitam, sit, you're qualified, meditate on Krishna Lila, then come back and write something about that. That'll be good for the people. So, he wrote directly about Bhakti. And <laughs> but if you read the Goswami's commentaries on Bhagavat, then you can understand the Bhagavatam. What kind of Bhakti they had, how they drew from a book directly about Bhakti, that Vyas tried to write. Here I'm going to write directly about the efficacy of bhakti and that this is what the scripture is all about. This is the commentary on this, the sutras and so Without the Goswami's reading, you, will, you won't understand. You will think, oh, Krishna, he left Vrindavan, he went to Dwarka, he left the world. That's what you'll think. That's what the Bhagavatam says. Right? He, he was in the Braj, he left, he went to Mathura, then he went to Dwarka, Hastinapur, and back and forth. He visited with the Brajabhasis at Kurukshetra. He went back and he left the world in Dwarka. Some bhakti there, but there's no bhakti in us to rest with that. That he will, he will never go back to Vrindavan? <laughs> he never return there? The story's over and he hasn't gone back? We, we're not, that doesn't touch us in that way. No, we read it, okay, so he left in Dwarka, and now I know the whole ba the Bhagavatam. <laughs> you know, in that story about the Bhagavatam and education, I've told the man, <laughs> here we go, i told many times, but it's such a nice story. The man wanted his son to get an education, so he sent him to Banaris. So the boy went and studied, and he came back, and the father said, so did you get an education? He said, yes. He said, what books did you study? I studied this book, and this book, and this book, and this book, so many books. Father said, uh, you didn't study Srimad Bhagavatam? He said, I don't think we studied that book. He said, well, then you don't have an education. So go back to Banaris and study Srimad Bhagavatam. Then you can be considered an educated person. So he went back and he studied the Bhagavatam. He came back and Father said, so you studied Srimad Bhagavatam? He said, yes. He said, I don't understand why you sent me back. This one book alone is, but with this book alone, then my education would be complete. I hadn't read any other book. My father said, very good, so you've understood Srimad Bhagavatam? He said, yes. He said, good, so please go back to Banaris and study Srimad Bhagavatam again. <laughs> so his son said, oh, all right, well. You know, you try to please your father. Old people can be a little, you know, trying sometimes their requests. But anyway, he went. He studied Srimad Bhagavatam a second time, and he came back to Vrindavana. father said, so you studied Srimad Bhagavatam a second time? He said, yes. He said, yes. He cut off his father. 
and now I understand why you sent me back. I thought I had understood the first time, now I go second time, and I realized I didn't understand anything about the Bhagavatam. <laughs> so, Father said, very good. So now you've understood Srimad Bhagavatam. He said, yes, now I've understood. Father said, then you better go back to Benares and study Srimad Bhagavatam again. So, again he went back, again and studied, and again he returned. Father said, so you studied a third time? He said, yes. He said, so did you understand Srimad Bhagavatam? He said, I cannot understand Srimad Bhagavatam. <laughs> His father said, now you have understood Srimad Bhagavatam. <laughs> it is said in the Upanishad, one who says he knows Brahman does not know Brahman. He's unknowable, unknown and unknowable. Bhakti said, it's lovable though. Brahman is lovable. Param Brahma, the lovable, and to know him is to love him. It was supposed to be a song when we were a kid, to know, know, know yeah. him is to love, love, love. So, the Goswamis, they drew out from, from Bhagavat things that nobody can find in there. Yes, Vyasa wrote about it. Vyasa veti na veti va, ham vedmi sukhav veti, Vyasa veti na veti va. Vyasa may know the meaning of Bhagavatam, he may not, may not know. But we say it in our own way. But Rupa Goswami, he knows. Shiva Goswami, he knows the meaning of Bhagavat. Why? Because where is Vyas? And where is Rupa Goswami? Rupa Goswami is in the Bhagavat. It's written about him. It's written about his love for Krishna. So if he comes and talks about that, then we will understand something about what is the essence of Srimad Bhagavatam. So such essential knowledge they had. Although they appeared just like village girls and in that plane they have no knowledge. Here, when they come, so much knowledge they manifest. Just like this is the most powerful military industrial complex in the United States, but we don't see tanks and missiles everywhere that would disturb the, the peaceful uh, social environment. So in Vrindavan, that knowledge is kept suppressed. It's in the stone. Chintamani Dam. It's kept on the ground. Walk on that knowledge. But just like if this country were to be attacked, then the missiles would come out everywhere and you would see that we have big armies and navies and so forth. So when the Brajbasis come here, then they have to invoke the knowledge that underlies their prem, their bhakti. And by sharing that with us, then we have some possibility for embarking on the course, on a path to that side and to the ocean of Bhakti Rasa. So, in Gaurlila, then, these girls have a very prominent position. So, the ideal in Gaudiya Vaishnavism is basically twofold. The ideal in Gaudiya Vaishnavism is through the Guru Parampara formed by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Nityananda Prabhu, Advaita, also, actually, our Guru Parampara was begun by Nityananda Prabhu. He started the Parampara in the sense that he commissioned his friends, if you will, to initiate. Nityananda Prabhu started Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's mission. Mahaprabhu taught, Bolo Krishna, Baja Krishna, Kaha Krishna Shikha. Bolo Krishna, Kaha Krishna, Laya Krishna Nam. Nityananda Prabhu, he said, well, I'm not interested in that. He said, Bhaja Gauranga, Kaha Gauranga, Laha Gauranga Nam. 
ये जन गौरंग बजे से आमर प्राण बजे गौरंगा कहा गौर दिस इस द बिगिनिंग ऑफ चेतन वैष्णवीजम वी ऑल सच अ डेट टू नीताई चंद विदाउट हिम देर इस नो गौरी वैष्णवीजम ये वी हैव रूपों को सामी जी वो दे आर इम्पोर्टेंट बट इट इज नीट नंदा पब्बू दैट वाज बोल्ड एनफ टू कम आउट and say it that this bengali is is bhagwan <laughs> sri krishna himself and in a special way that the more you invest in bhagwan goranga the more you get a position in the service of radha this is the secret worship in mayapur live in vrindavan there is the kirtan sri vasangam the courtyard of sri vas in this kirtan no one could come Only few people could come in, but some nice people sat outside and didn't try to push them their way in, but they wished they could understand that. For them, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came out, and then he began his Nagarkirtan. He left Nadia. He preached all over the South and so forth, widely campaigning. He came out to take everybody. To give them eligibility in time by following his example to enter into the kirtan at the house of Sri Vastakur, our Guru Parampara started by Nityananda Prabhu. So he had so many friends, about twelve of them, to start with. Tuadasu Gopal, this is Ram, Balram, Ram, Nityananda Ram. So they opened centers in Bengal and they began initiating disciples. They started Gaudiya Vaishnavism. They all had some standing at the feet of of Balram. They all his friends. Balram is the center for the that uh, Sakirasa. So we have Sakirasa channel to Braj by the influence of Nityananda Prabhu in Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Nityananda is a Gaudiya Vaishnav. <laughs> we should know that. And then, other side, very prominently also, also coming from Nityananda, from Janava Ma, the wife of Nityananda, uh, Gopi Bhava, and others, of course, as well. This side, the, the more prominent side, but both of these are windows that have been opened in the house of Shweta Dweep, the private island of God. Shweta Dweep. It is a, it is Shweta. It is pure. It's white. It's pure. It's Dweepa. In Ireland, means it's unto itself. Swarat. Nothing can compare to it. It's completely independent. Bhakti is independent, and Bhakti is in their fullest expression there, fully independent, playing with Krishna as she likes, making him a son, making Brahman. A forlorn lover, making him a loser in a wrestling match. So Bhakti is is reigning there. Therefore, the Jairadhe is our saying. So this is the two channels that have been opened for us. So we should understand this is a very important point. It is not that you will read in the book about oh, there's this person and there's that person. Vishnu Priya loves. No Chaitanya Mahaprabhu like this, and there must be some other ladies there in Navadvip too, and and wonder what their position is in relation to Lila. I might like to 
be one of them, but what do they do there? Or I, I, I would like to go to Krishna Leela and I would like to do this. You, have, you go there by what has been offered to you, the door that's been opened. Mahaprabhu came to make this available. Anarpita charim charat karunayabutina kalo samarpaitam unatodura samsabhakti sriyam Kalo in Kali Yuga, anarpita charim charat. Kabiraj explained, he tries to give a long period of time, but he wants to say, and he gives the cosmology of the Bhagavad Gita, the day of Brahma and all these things. He means, this is rare, but it means you should pay attention. This is an extraordinary opportunity what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has made available. This is the essence of it. Don't worry after listening to your science class, you know, wait a minute, Brahma, and he's got these long lives, and don't think of it like that. I mean, just think, this says there's a rare opportunity. I should take advantage of this. And this is what has been offered to us. So this we should understand. We should study in this way, under good guidance. Then we know what possibilities are there for us through Guru Parampara to participate in that Leela in a meaningful way. So in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, there are the two possibilities. We say three possibilities. And it should be noted but Salya Bhakti is readily available in the contemporary lineage of, of Gaudiya Vaishnava by Balava. Twice in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, Sri Rupa says, after describing Vaidhi, he says, and there is another sect. They call it Mariada. It's more or less the same thing. After describing Rag Bhakti, Sadhana, he says, and there is another sect, and they call it Pushti. And it's more or less the same thing. We don't find the sectarian um, lines as well drawn that are coming later. <laughs> we should go back in time a little bit there. Enemy of progress, Bhakti Vinotaka called it. Sectarianism. So, Mahaprabhu blessed Balaba ultimately. We find in um, Bhakti Ratnakar, he has his own, own sect. There is some emphasis on a different kind of gopi bhav and on vatsalya bhakti also. And he also has a very different metaphysic, similar Vaishnava, but, but different, shuddha dvaita, as opposed to a chinta dvaita dvaita, as we have. So, different, but there are different ways of thinking about the same thing, something like that. So, this has been open to us, this opportunity. And we find Shaitanya Mahaprabhu is nonetheless universal because he is Swayam Bhagwan. So that means all aspects of divinity are present within him. So any type of bhakti that you want, you can certainly get from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Thakur Bhakti even made a prediction that there will come a day when uh, all the Vaishnav Sampradayas will come under the banner of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's mission. So you may wonder when is that going to happen? But it has happened in this sense that other Vaishnav Sampradayas, they have credibility and influence and patronage in the modern world, not an easy thing to get, which is moving in a, in a very different, not in the theistic direction. And these are old theistic paths, and they're Eastern, and the modern world is Western, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, marketing the Western idea everywhere, that is uh, the modern world. So the Eastern thought is a little foreign, and if we're going to be religious, well, we should be follow the European revelation and so forth. And 
and they had some good theologians to argue in Christianity about the existence of God. As far as the nature of God and the possibilities of relationship with that, they do not excel in that. They do not even venture there much. But as to the existence of God, and of course this is a big question in the West. In India, it very much wasn't much of a question. So at any rate, for these uh, old, if you will, uh, schools of Vaishnavism that date back thousands of years, that are prominent in sub subcontinent in, in in East Asia, to have patronage in the modern world in the Western in the United States from educated and young people. That's not an easy task, but Gaudiya Vaishnavism has laid the, the foundation for that. My Guru Maharaj built a road and others then easily walked on that to come and share the Sri Vaishnavism and some Madhva Vaishnavism and the Limbarka Vaishnavism and, uh, and the Balaba Vaishnavism also. Well, if you look at it, that's not hard to, to see. All of them have credibility and patronage in the living world, if you will, the modern world, where the world's going, all because of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. They're indebted to him. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Swami Bhagavan, so you can't get any kind of bhakti from him. And he, the principal um, mantra that he's given is a non-mantra. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. So what does the Hari mean? What does the Ram mean? Some say this, some say that. Who's right? It's Hari, it's Hare in the vocative. Hari is a name for Bhagwan. Hari. Ram is Ram, Parasaram, Ram Chandra, Balaram, this Ram, that Ram. <laughs> Has all kinds of applications. Krishna, there are all kinds of Krishnas. <laughs> Devakinandan Krishna, Maturesh Krishna, Rajendranandan Krishna, Radhanatha Krishna, so many Krishnas. So it lends itself to all Vaishnav conceptions of bhakti. And we find that in a wide campaign like that of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, or I should say of Nandaprabhu, his is the wider campaign because he is commissioned to go in the places where Chaitanya Mahaprabhu could not go, where his sannyas did not permit him to go. He took sannyas to facilitate the spreading, but it, when he found it was an impediment, then he turned to Nityananda Prabhu and said, you take the ball from here and go there. And with his shakti, my Guru Maharaj came to the West and went to places where sannyasi shouldn't go. It was thought. In fact, they go out of India, then they'll be contaminated. This was, uh, <laughs> many think like that and teach like that. What will you eat? There's a thought. He didn't think, what will I eat? So many they stayed in, in Braj or in Mayapur doing madukari, going from door to door, like a bee, madukari. Madukari, it means like making madu, making honey. So the bee makes honey. It goes, takes a little from each doesn't stay too long and then he flower collects. So Madhukari means for Vaishnav, they go to one house, they just take a little chapati, go to the next house. The renunciate doesn't get implicated in like, can I stay at your place? And I don't have a place to stay tonight, can I stay at your place? And what's cooking, you know? 
they can't be thinking about that. A, a godbrother of mine who had been a sannyasi for years, he was living in Vrindavan, and I was visiting Vrindavan. And so we were wandering in the Braj, and he said, Marsh, we should go over here, such and such place. I said, why? He said, it's really good for Madhukari over there. I said, you're not doing Madhukari. You understand? He means they butter the chapatis over there. <laughs> <laughs> They're hot rotis, and it's really... <laughs> I said, you're not doing Madhukari. Some people told my Guru Maharaj, you should stay in Vrindavan and do Madhukari and study the books of the Goswamis. Well, this is Ragmarg. His idea was different. He scraped together money to take a bus to Delhi and look in the trash bins to find tracts from the Jehovah's Witnesses and read those to think, what are they thinking over there? And how will I give them what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has come to give? It's how, how he got informed about how we think over here. <laughs> this was his measure of devotion, commitment, absorption. And then he came to New York and where will he eat? What will he eat? That is Madhukari. He was not thinking, what will I eat? And Krishna provided him so many cooks, so many chapatis, so many places to live, isn't it? It's uh, just on his faith in Harinam, that universal mantra, and big campaign. He said, in the beginning, I gave out the holy name to see what would happen. He said, I made an experiment. I distributed the Harinam, he gave beads, and, and he said, then I waited to see what would happen. Then I followed that. This is how he ran his movement. He's some inspiration coming in somebody thought they're chanting, must be coming from Krishna. Let's try it. We'll go to Montreal, then open a temple there. San Francisco, you say. All right, let's go. So, wide campaign, very broad campaign, and recruiting in a very then a big way for the Vaishnavism in general, for the Sampradaya. And we find that people came into the Sampradaya through him, but then they found their place in Vaishnavism elsewhere. Some, few, I know some. They came in, this is Ragmarg Sampradaya. Agurmarj came from Vrindavan. He has written his own, what his own ideal is there, in his prayer on the boat even expressed it, not a public writing, and, and he never thought it would be, that it would be published. He wrote his own note there, his sharing his own heart in his prayer. He had his own ideal. But he wanted to collect all kinds of people for Vaishnavism in general. Let them find their place then. So they did. Some came, and they found themselves more attracted to ritualistic bhakti. And... Uh, you know, those guys that also, ha, ha, they like all this. They wrap themselves up. <laughs> you can find them. Every temple's got one of them. And they, they really like all that uh, reverential love. Some of them to the extreme. And some, and they, then they, they went to the Ramanuja Sampradaya. I know some, they went to the Embarka Sampradaya. I know some, they went to the Balab Sampradaya. And sometimes they went because the group they joined had problems later on. That was the negative impetus, but we like to think there was some positive thing to it as well. So, point being that through Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's mission, because he is Swami Bhagavan, and the mantra, the non-mantra is given is universal mantra, any kind of bhakti you can get into relation to him. Yes, he's giving out the full meal, and everyone is invited to the feast. And then you eat as much as you like. If you want to stop at Ram 
Ayodhya Bhakti, and he told Murari, you are Hanuman. He wrote it on his forehead, Ram. He said, you are Hanuman. He didn't say, you cannot do that. <laughs> so it's universal in that sense, but Gauri Sampradaya itself, then a more specific sense, is giving us a specific channel to the Braj Lila and a specific way to participate in Gaur Lila as a Gopa or a Gopi in the, in the Braj Lila and as a Brahmin boy in Gaur Lila. That should be our interest. But we may not be destined for the ideal of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, still Gaudiya Vaishnavism will pick us up in its wide-reaching campaign in Kali Yuga. Mahaprabhu is, after all, also the Yuga Abhutara. So, wide campaign, many people can come in, find their place, and through the blessing of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, then go with her. We can honor that. We are, we, if it is genuine, and then they should go to those channels that specify that, having come in through the wide campaign of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. But if you want to stay strictly in Gaudiya Vaishnava, then you will start to get clear that these are the possibilities that have been offered to me through Guru Parampara. So we should think about those, pursue those, not some with idle curiosity about Leela and decide, oh, I'd like to be a tree there maybe in the Krishna Leela, or I'd like to do this or that. And we we thinking what, what we would like to do rather than how we might best be used. We should think like that. We should try to be Sharanagata. When Sharanagata is in place, then some sense about all these things will start to manifest. And that theological person, as I said, Ruchi Bhakti and Asakti and Bhav, starts to become a real, tangible person. And your other personality will be dismantled, so to speak, seen for what it is. So this is the way to, to think about your question from this chair here. <laughs> That's how I think about it. Anything else? Okay, yes? Maharaj, you mentioned Sharanagati. What does that mean again? Sharanagati means Sarvalarman ma mekam Sharanam. Sharanam. Sharanam means to take shelter. So Sharanagati means to be like a cow. You have a cow? No. No. Have you ever had a cow? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a great answer. So the cow, you know, she goes where you like, you know, and gives milk. And she's bought and sold and she's in your hands and she fully puts herself in your hands and, and she ex- you know, expects that I'm giving this milk and all I have I'm giving to you. You take care of me. And she... If you get to know her, then you really feel like, yes, she should be taken care of. She's giving everything. She asks nothing. little grass uh, grows on the side of the road. And for that, she's giving milk. She should be taken care of. Cows. We find the cows. Krishna Leela is full of cows. What does it mean? Cows are emblems of giving. That's the idea. Everything about them is the cow dung, cow manure is exceptional, different from all other kinds. It has so many uses, medicinal uses, you can build houses out of it, you can cook with it, you can chase insects away with it, dry cow dung and, and so forth. Uh, and uh, of course the milk and so forth. Your and everything about the cow has some utilization 
in a meaningful way in human society and, and further in, in divine life, in bhakti. And so the cow, Krishna is surrounded by all these cows. It means surrounded by givers. And the idea is to bhakti is about love. So love is about giving. You're supposed to give without thinking of getting in return. But you might think, if I give, like where I got Mickey asked me, well, I might be in trouble. If I just give and I'm submissive and you know humble and giving, in this world it might be problematic for me. But the idea is to give with wisdom to Bhagwan, and then you are worried who will take care of me. That is answered. Gopal. He is Gopal, and so he takes care of cows. <laughs> he protects the people who just give wisely to the center, and thereby everywhere. So Sharanagati, it means uh, it means <coughs> surrender. Krishna says surrender. It means, in a very basic sense, it means I accept Krishna, and I, I think that by serving Krishna only, everything will come. I don't need to worship anywhere else or do anything else. And then there's a developed sense of that Sharanagati also. Anukuyasa sankalpa patikuyasa vajanam rakshikshati divishvashpil kopritvevanam tata. Sixfold idea. And the center, the Surupalakshan, primary characteristic of Sharanagati is that I accept Krishna as my maintainer. We always, as I said the other night, we're always worrying about how we will be maintained, right? How we will get him, we'll have my 401k now is really lost. I'm going to worry about that or this, that, other thing. I'm worried, we're worrying, so stop that. The inhabitants of Vrindavan, they thought superficially that their maintenance was dependent upon Indra, right? So Gaurav Lila is one of the things it teaches us is that they are all Sharanagatis. Sharanagatis, they're premikas, but underlying that is their Sharanagati. So they, at the whim of a seven-year-old boy, they gave up an annual tradition of worshipping Indra that it consumed the whole village. The whole village was consumed in that every year, making arrangements. It was a huge event. That's why Mother Yasoda was home alone with her son. They were arranging for the Govardhan Puja in the Damodar Leela. That's why she she put him down to tend to the milk. Otherwise, she would have so many maidservants to take care of the milk, it's boiling over, and she would keep her son to her breast. But everyone was out arranging for it, the whole community. And so, Govardhan, of course, then a few years later, Krishna realized that it was Indra who had traumatized him in his youth, and um, he was the cause of his mother putting him down and taking him off of her off of her breast to tend to the milk on the stove. And so, he wanted to chastise him, but he, he wanted to show all of us also that they are all Sharanagatas. Sharanagati is Shraddha also. Sharanagati is the outer expression of Shraddha. Shraddha means faith. So if you have faith, then it's a tangible thing. It's uh, not intangible. It's most tangible. We are, as I began in one sense, Shraddha ayam purusha. A person is their faith. So faith in bhakti has expresses itself as Sharanagati. I accept Krishna only as my maintainer. Krishna is my protector. I accept only things favorable for Krishna. I reject things that are not favorable for Krishna, to Krishna's service. Normally, we accept, I accept things that are favorable to my senses. I reject things that are not favorable to my senses. But as Sharanagda says, if it's not pleasing to my senses, but it's pleasing to Krishna's senses, I accept it. 
and conversely, I reject things that are not pleasing to Krishna's sense. It's a very different worldview. You may be accepting and people go, what kind of devotee are you? You like this, you don't like that, you've got desires just like everybody else. But the center of that is a very different idea. It's pleasing to Krishna. So, I'll do that. He looks, she looks, difficult to understand the Vaishnav. Their activities are just like ordinary people. That's the whole Brajlila. It's not about renunciation. <laughs> do you think that would go over very big in Braj? I have to give up my wife, Yashoda? Oh no, Nandamars could never think of that. They're all attached, they like their houses, they like their place, they never leave Vrindavan. Even if Krishna appears to leave Vrindavan, they won't leave. So, no, bhakti we advance by sangha, not by bhairagya. That is the gyan mark. And, of course, sangha is the most comprehensive way to arrive at bhairagya also. Because when we attach ourselves to saintly persons, then we lose interest in material things. Another question? They should do Guru Bhakti. That's very tangible. They should hold on to their feet of their Guru and they should think, where my Guru Dev is, I will go there. No problem. All questions answered, all problems solved. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So, yes, another question. Oh, I'll be short on my answer. Well, they're more loving than most humans. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they have a lot of oxytocin. <laughs> They have a lot of love. They have a lot of affection. Yeah, they're, it's, uh, it's very nice to see them in relation to their calves, especially. They very much personify motherhood. And Yeah, you mean in the animal kingdom in relation to humans. You know, I think you're right about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, um, I thought sometimes like, I see dogs here and there, and I'm like, they look at them, and they're so much nicer than a lot of humans I see around, and I'm that's, be- well, that's because in human life we have intelligence that's more manifest than it is in less complex forms of life. But if intelligence becomes corrupted and it makes a bond with the senses, then you have a beast with intelligence who has only bestial purposes in mind and he or she can do much more damage, be much more dangerous than a beast, if you will, that doesn't have intelligence. After all, there are zoos, right? Which means to say that intelligence is brain is more powerful than brawn, something like that, right? 
So there's power and intelligence, but if you wed intelligence to the senses, then you've really got a powerful beast. And since intelligence is meant to distance us from our senses, sensual demands, and so forth, if we're wise and thoughtful, we'll think, it's not in my interest to move in the direction of animality. I'm, I'm human, so that's the problem. Intelligence misused. You better do something about that then. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so thank you all for coming and uh, for inviting me. It's very nice. uh, Thank you for coming to visit us, Maharaj. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much.